Just ahead on Bob's World, the man in charge of Vermont's prisons calls a COVID outbreak in Newport's prison a crisis. Disciplinary records for more than 83,000 active and retired cops were posted online by New York's Civilian Complaint Review Board today, with thousands more set to be made public soon by the NYPD. Tense moments on the high seas off Nova Scotia as rescue crews from Canada and the U.S. evacuate a doomed scallop dragger. It felt warmer today, even if folks in northern New England only saw a top off in the 20s. The sun was out. Those places go to the single digits tonight. Tomorrow's sunrise temps go down to around 20 if you're in Connecticut. Bob's World is next. The Government of Canada and public health experts are taking action to protect Canadians from COVID-19. Protect yourself and others, especially those with medical conditions and older adults. Wash your hands often. Avoid touching your face. Cough or sneeze into your arm and disinfect surfaces. You should also avoid crowded places. Avoid all non-essential travel outside of Canada. And if you're sick, stay home. To learn more, visit canada.ca slash coronavirus. A message from the Government of Canada. Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life. And it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. This is Bob's World, Thursday, March 4th, 2021. Good evening, I'm Bob Welch. Here's what's happening at 6 o'clock. Vermont Department of Corrections Commissioner Jim Baker is calling a COVID outbreak at a state prison a crisis. WCAX-TV in Burlington reports some 127 inmates and 10 staffers at the Northern State Correctional Facility in Newport have tested positive for COVID-19. It's the largest outbreak in Vermont's prison system. In a press conference this morning, Baker said a corrections officer got tested outside the usual testing protocol for staff, which is every two weeks, because he suspected he was sick. That officer tested positive. He was last in the facility on February the 16th. Everyone at the prison was tested on February the 23rd. The commissioner said they do not know how the virus was transmitted from one building to another, leading to the widespread infection. None of the inmates are symptomatic. Massachusetts residents seeking coronavirus vaccines competed for a smaller-than-usual number of new appointments this morning at the state's mass vaccination sites, hours before Governor Charlie Baker announced that the mass vaccination site at Fenway Park will soon be moved to the Heinz Convention Center. Baker was speaking during an afternoon briefing uh, and uh, said the convention center will start accepting patients on March 18th, while Fenway's last day for taking patients will be March 27. He said all residents who have a second vaccination scheduled at Fenway will be able to get their second dose at the Heinz with details going out to patients via email. The decision to move the site, he said, was made with opening day upcoming at the ballpark April 1st with a limited number of fans permitted to attend. Earlier in the morning, though, the focus for many was the appointment website. 
The Boston Globe reports no new appointments were available at several mass vaccination sites today, according to a message posted to the state's Twitter account around 7 a.m. New appointments at Fenway Park, Gillette Stadium, and the Reggie Lewis Center were not available due to a limited federal vaccine supply and a large number of previously scheduled second-dose appointments. Disciplinary records for more than 83,000 active and retired cops were posted online by New York's Civilian Complaint Review Board today, with thousands more set to be made public soon by the New York Police Department. The New York Daily News reports the review board records go back to January 1st, 2000. They have long been shrouded in secrecy, which critics say provided cover for misbehaving cops and department brass who too often look the other way or let them off with a slap on the wrist. Their release was several years in the making, with police unions fighting to prevent information covered by Section 50A. It's the law that since 1976 kept police disciplinary records from public view, unless a judge said otherwise. The law, which also applied to firefighters and correction officers, was repealed last June amid widespread protests over police brutality. A last-ditch effort by NYPD police unions was defeated two weeks ago with an appeals court rejecting the argument that disclosing such records will put cops' lives in danger. Mayor de Blasio said uh, 50A needed to go if the NYPD is to build trust with New Yorkers. Now to the weather. Coming off a high of 27 earlier, St. Johnsbury has 19 under mostly uh, clear skies as the sun has set. Uh, we will be going down to 7 this evening. Around the region at 6 p.m. from north to south, Montreal and Ogdensburg are 19. Montreal has some snow. Ogdensburg doesn't. Bangor, Maine, clear in 25. Worcester and Boston, clear 34. Chatham, Cape Cod and Manhattan, clear 36. Up the Harlem Line in Brewster, New York, it is clear in 32. Hartford, Connecticut, clear and 34. And tonight's forecast for northeast Vermont. Northern New Hampshire, western Maine, and Quebec's eastern townships for tonight. Scattered snow showers during the evening, then partly to mostly cloudy overnight, low of 6. It'll be a west-northwest wind at 10 to 20 miles an hour, making it feel colder. Tomorrow, cloudy, a few flurries possible, high 16. Tomorrow night, mainly cloudy, a few flurries possible, low of 4. Mostly cloudy skies for Saturday with a few flurries, high around 20, so it's a little bit warmer and a little bit warmer still for Sunday with a high of 24 and warmer still on Monday under partly cloudy with 33. Once again, St. Johnsbury is clear with that sun that has now set and 19 going down to 7 tonight. It is 6.05 on Bob's World. As the COVID-19 vaccines become available, you may be asking yourself, should I get it? Will it help me get back to doing the things I love, like meeting friends or traveling? And can I do it without putting my family at risk? You've got questions. That's normal. So visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for the latest information on the COVID-19 vaccines. Getting back to the moments we miss starts with getting informed. It's up to you. A message brought to you by the Ad Council and the CDC. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. 
One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Canadian and American rescuers are describing a tightly choreographed effort in heaving Atlantic seas that saved 31 seafarers early yesterday before an offshore scallop dragger sank off Nova Scotia. The hoisting of the crew aboard the 39-meter FV Atlantic Destiny onto helicopters began late Tuesday night and extended into the next morning after the ship caught fire at sea south of Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Lieutenant Commander Edward Forey's commander of a U.S. Coast Guard fixed-wing aircraft that flew above the scene outlined the close cooperation of the two countries in the frightening seas. He tells CTV Atlantic the scallop dragger, Atlantic Destiny, was taking on water when they arrived and the ship didn't have any power or the ability to steer. The lieutenant commander estimated that winds were gusting from the northwest at more than 90 kilometers or 55 miles an hour with sea swells of between 5 and 7 meters, that's 16 to 22 feet, pitching the stricken ship up and down as the hoists were lowered. The lieutenant commander then said that at first, Canadian Forces CH-149 Cormorant helicopter lowered two of its search and rescue technicians on board the floundering vessel. He said the Cormorant carried out the first hoists, followed by lifts conducted by two American Jayhawk helicopters, with a total of 27 people brought into the rescue aircraft. The Lieutenant Commander Forey says it was the most hoists during one incident he's witnessed in his 13-year career with the United States Coast Guard. Each time the basket came down to lift up crew, the two Canadian search and rescue technicians on board would help strap them in, as the teams from the two countries communicated by radio and international hand signals which hospital to take them to on which shore. It's only about 230 miles, air miles, between Gloucester, Massachusetts and Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. A China-linked cyber espionage group has been remotely plundering email inboxes using freshly discovered flaws in Microsoft's mail server software. The company and outside researchers said on Tuesday, an example of how commonly used programs can be exploited to cast a wide net online. In a blog post, Microsoft said the hacking campaign made use of four previously undetected vulnerabilities in different versions of the software, which was the work of a group it dubs Hafnium, which it described as a state-sponsored entity operating out of China. In a separate blog post, cybersecurity firm Volexity said that in January it had seen the hackers use one of the vulnerabilities to remotely steal, quote, the full contents of several user mailboxes. All they needed to know were the details of Exchange Server and of the account they wanted to pillage. Toronto's Globe and Mail reports that the Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Weinbin said yesterday that the country opposes all forms of cyber attacks. Ahead of the Microsoft announcement, the hackers' increasingly aggressive moves began to attract attention across the cybersecurity community, 
Mike McClellan is Director of Intelligence for Dell Technologies Incorporated's SecureWorks division and said ahead of the Microsoft announcement that he had noticed a sudden spike in activity touching exchange servers overnight on Sunday with around 10 customers affected at his firm. Colorectal cancer rates seem to be rising in younger people, a phenomenon that experts don't really understand, but which they find concerning. However, nutrition, inflammation, and the microbiome, or the intersection between the three, may have something to do with it. An upward trend has been detected since 1995 in several industrialized countries, such as Canada, the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand. Dr. Carol Richard, head of the Digestive Surgery Department at the University of Montreal's hospital, tells CTV Montreal Channel 12 that over the past few years, the percentage of people aged 40 to 45 with colorectal cancer seems to be increasing. They don't really know the cause, but there seems to be a higher percentage among younger people. The average age of diagnosis of colorectal cancer is 62 or 63. At the Montreal Hospital, which treats more than 300 cases a year, 10% of cases involved individuals under 50 in 2006, a percentage that has jumped to 16% by 2020. Between 10 and 20% of younger patients have a genetic predisposition to suffer from this disease, added Dr. Richard, but the vast majority of patients aged 50 and under have no obvious risk factors. However, she believes that the microbiome, the intestinal flora, may have something to do with it. Dr. Richard heads her own microbiome research group at University of Montreal's hospital and says the microbiome, in fact, reflects the environment because it's affected by all environmental toxicities and that there's probably something in the environment that changes the bacteria in the microbiome and that will increase the non-repair of cells that occurs in the gut and that probably has an impact on the increased incidence of colorectal cancer. This is Bob's World. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Welcome back to Bob's World on this Thursday, March the 4th, day number 63 of 2021 with 302 days left in the year. Among the birthdays today, actor James Elroy is 73, former Energy Secretary Rick Perry, 71, musician Emilio Estevan is 68, music director Scott X is 68 as well, actors Catherine O'Hara, 67, 
Uh, Patricia Heaton is 63. Senator Tina Smith, a Democrat of Minnesota, 63 years old. Rock singer Evan Dando from the Lemonheads is 54. And Senator James Langford, Republican of Oklahoma, is 53. Gay rights activist Chaz Bono is 54. Jazz musician Jason Marsalis is 44. This day in history, in 1789, the Constitution of the U.S. went into effect as the first federal Congress met in New York. The lawmakers then adjourned for lack of a quorum. 1797, John Adams was inaugurated as the second president of the United States. 1863, the Idaho Territory was created. 1865, President Abraham Lincoln was inaugurated for his second term in office. With the end of the Civil War in sight, Lincoln declared, with malice toward none, with charity for all. 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt took office as America's 32nd president. Teamsters president Jimmy Hoffa and three co-defendants were found guilty on this date in 1964 by a federal court in Chattanooga, Tennessee, of jury tampering. 1974, the first issue of People magazine, then called People Weekly, was published by Time Life, Inc. On the cover, actress Mia Farrow. 1981, a jury in Salt Lake City convicted Joseph Paul Franklin, an avowed racist and serial killer, of violating the civil rights of two black men, Ted Fields and David Martin, who'd been shot to death. Franklin received two life sentences for this crime. He was executed in 2013 for the 1977 murder of a Jewish man, Gerald Gordon. 1987, President Ronald Reagan addressed the nation on the Iran-Contra affair, acknowledging that his overtures to Iran had, quote, deteriorated into an arms-for-hostages deal. In 1994, in New York, four extremists were convicted of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing that killed six people and injured more than a 1,000. And actor-comedian John Candy died on this date in 1994 in Durango, Mexico, at the age of just 43 years old. And in 1998, the United States Supreme Court ruled that sexual harassment at work can be illegal even when the offender and victim are of the same gender. And something for last... An Australian athlete broke a world record while he ran a marathon in 16 hours and 12 minutes while pulling a 1.6-ton truck. 23-year-old Corey Philippot of Glenbrook, Australia, pulled the 3,300-pound Ford Ranger truck for a distance of 26.2 miles through Jameson Park in Perinth, New South Wales, to take the new world record title for the world's strongest marathon. Philpott's time of 16 hours 12 minutes was enough to beat the previous record of 17 hours, which was held by U.S. athlete Justin True. Philpott told the Blue Mountains Gazette after the attempt, quote, I've got no injuries, I feel great, I'll go for a run tomorrow. Philpott said the feat isn't eligible for a Guinness World Record. He says, I won't get ratified by Guinness because they wanted us to pull a city car, half the size. Philippot said he wanted to pull a truck because he was inspired by Ross Edgley. He's the British man who set the original world's strongest marathon title while pulling a truck in 2016. He finished with a time of 19 hours, 36 minutes. Philpot's feat served as a fundraiser for the charity Child Safe Australia.
And that's Bob's World for a Thursday, March 4th. Remember, our feedback hotline is open for your two cents, 24 hours a day, on area code 802-467-0212. That's 802-467-0212. Your voice may be used in an upcoming broadcast if you do so. I'm Bob Welch. Thanks for listening.